I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! Jeez! He's round the goalkeeper, he's done it! Absolutely incredible! He launched himself six feet into the crowd and Kung Fu kicked a supporter who was without a shadow of a doubt giving him lip. Does it tame and tame and tame again? Break up the music! Charge a glass! This nation is going to dance all night! Would you ever want your goalkeeper to be everywhere? Can you retain a treble? A sleeping giant ends their 144-year spell in the FA Cup wilderness. A fascinating auditory illusion at the Hawthorns. What's the most FA Cup kind of goal imaginable? Seven-star cricket? McCoyston Townsend take on the Animal 11. Jonathan Pierce ruins a French child's birthday. The Anton Deck of football. The retake the lead window of acceptability. And English football stadiums that sound like people. Brought to your ears by Goalhanger Podcasts. This is Football Clichés. Hello everyone, welcome to Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry, this is the Adjudication Panel. Your Adjudication Panelists are Charlie Eccleshare, hello. Hello. And David Walker, how are things? Things are good. Excellent, good to have you both. Loads of stuff to get into this time. Let's kick off with the Magical FA Cup. First up, this is Maidstone keeper Lucas Kovalan making his 12th save of the afternoon against Ipswich in the 97th minute at Portman Road, live on BBC One. Chaplin. Flick towards goal and Lucas dives on another one. Of course he does. He's everywhere, this keeper. Had a lot of correspondence about this, Charlie. <laughs> Can a keeper be everywhere? Uh, what's more, do you want your keeper to be everywhere? Um, no, I mean, I guess they can be everywhere in a kind of within the bounds of what a goalkeeper might realistically be expected to do. If a goalkeeper's like punching crosses, coming quite far off his line to do so, and then retreating back to a sensible goalkeeper position and making saves. So I guess you you kind of know what it means. There, there are some games where they are very present and it looks like there are kind of limbs flailing and they are sort of everywhere and in people's faces. But yes, you, you don't want them. You, you think of that someone who's running a game box to box. Exactly. You don't want your goalkeeper to be covering every blade of grass. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. I mean, this didn't even feel like a literally Dave moment. I mean, it's spiritually like I quite like it. But in, in, in the grand scheme of its overwhelming usage, Dave, we can't we can't abide this. No, it was a great performance by the goalkeeper. But and you know exactly what he means. He's just kind of, he's all over everything. Mm. You know, he's all over it. He's not everywhere, but he, he's got everything covered. Goalkeepers can't be everywhere, Martin Keown. Let's stick with Maidstone Nips, which Matthew Mernin writes in and says, what's the threshold for adding the match details to a shirt? The non-league team in a fourth round feels borderline. Fifth would be sweet spot. Premier League clubs, anything other than a final would be tin pot. First things first, let's let Maidstone off the hook here, yeah. Charlie. They're well within their rights to have the the, name, the details of the game printed on the, on the front of their chest, in the middle of their chest. Yeah, yeah. What's the lowest you could go, Dave, with this? I mean, the thing is that, so they're a sixth tier side, right? So this, you know, so they're not even conference, they're conference south. So, you, you know, you're getting to the get into the fourth round at a league a decent league team like Ipswich it's, you'd expect to lose so it, they're expecting that to be their, their last game so I completely understand why they've done it 
but in terms of what the, I mean, I, do it in the third I, round? I, I think a third. I think if the tie was right, like I think they played. I think they played Stevenage in the third round. So I think mm, that's maybe not glamorous it. enough. For, but if it, if they had Ipswich in the third round or a Premier League team or something big, I think I think that's allowable. I think it's less about the round than the opponents in some ways. Like even if this is a fourth round, but it's against a League One team. That's what, that's only three tiers above them? That feels a bit, uh, sort of, I don't know, like three tiers is, is obviously a big, big gap. And it wasn't televised either. So, yeah, it feels like less of a spectacle. Okay, let's take one variable out of the equation, Dave. Let's say Premier League teams or international teams. What's the sweet spot? For, for putting I mean you wouldn't do it in a semi would you because there's too much riding on a semi it almost feels like you've, you're you're playing the occasion not the game doesn't it if you put the details on your shirt a Wembley semi though I was going to say right. Wembley I don't think teams do it for the Wembley semis do they I think they probably think they're too big time to do that I suppose at international level Charlie they, they kind of just they just do it they do it quite routinely don't they, they just do it for friendlies as well because they're kind of keepsakes the shirts get given away for charity and stuff so they kind of override it don't they yeah that feels more commemorative yeah. Um, than a yeah, kind not of self-congratulatory. Yeah, exactly. Not just where that, that's whatever happens. This is happening, so it's sort of fine, and it's out of our hands a little bit. Okay. Rather than a team taking it upon themselves, being like, we're just so chuffed to be playing in this semi. Okay, uh, a satisfactory consensus reached on that one. Okay, how about this? This came from Lewis Steele, who was watching Spurs Man City on Friday. ITV's Sam Matavase just said the retention of the treble is very possible for Man City. Can you retain a treble, says Lewis Steele. Charlie, I think my instinct would be would say you can defend a treble, but you can't retain. You don't retain a treble, do you? Is that because it's a more kind of abstract thing? It's yes. not that you're holding on to a tro- like a trophy you keep in your trophy cabinet or whatever but a treble is more is not But it's not one every season. It, it it's a thing that happens once yeah, you, nobody can take every it off now you. and again. Yeah, it's not. There's not a guaranteed yeah. treble winner every year. So, like before, City had won it. Were Man United still the treble holders? <laughs> like, no, <laughs> they, they weren't. Okay, simple as that. Yeah, um, don't say retain the treble. Right, this one sounds niche, um, but you'll enjoy it nonetheless. Came from Spore Jokes. He says, uh, please discuss the clip from uh, Five Live Sports Report on Saturday. The commentator's talking about when the new Sheffield United goalkeeper arrived, and he thinks this is the all-time commentator discussing something unrelated to the action has to suddenly shift their voice to reflect the on-pitch events bit. Let's go back to Bramall Lane, Lee Blakeman. Still playing Sheffield United 2, Brighton 5. They're on their way through to the fifth round, Roberto De Zerbi's team. Welbeck was played in to get this latest goal just seconds ago into the area right side, and he fired it through Sheffield United goalkeeper Ivo Gerbic, making his debut after joining from Atletico Madrid. Yes, the day as Sheffield United cannon one against the crossbar. What a game. <laughs> I mean... That's half good. of me, half of me, Dave, wants to praise the commentator yeah. um, for styling it out so well. The other half of me thinks he just got really lucky that it landed on that word because what a great word <laughs> to launch off. Yeah, no, really good, really good. In full flow, but also obviously keeping an eye on the on the action there. That's very, that's a very particular skill. It's not quite the same as the as the commentator mid match. The the mm. match reporter who's got a whether it be mm. on so- Soccer Saturday or on Five Live, whatever, get the all the information since the last time you talked to me in and also just be aware in case something big happens on the pitch. We'll return to commentary intonation very shortly, resurrection of that theme. Here's a little little niche one. Um, On ITVX for the Black Country Derby between West Brom and Wolves, um, their kind of title screen before you click into it to watch it live said West Brom Albion versus The Wanderers. And then they changed Whoa. it halfway through after someone had pointed it Did out. They? But wow. so the Wanderers, I forgot I didn't have time to look this up. The Wanderers are one of the 
FA Cup OGs, right? They're like, mm, yeah, won the they won the FA Cup like in the early years, right? Classic pub quiz sort of team, right? Fodder. Yeah. I don't even think they were the Wanderers. They simply were Wanderers. Wanderers FC, they won the first two FA Cups. And in fact, five of the first seven. The, qu- the weird thing is that there, there are two scenarios here, Charlie, for what happened here. The person filling in that bit thought it's okay to abbreviate Wolverhampton Wanderers to simply the Wanderers, which is a scandal in itself. Or two, it's some sort of automated system where you type yeah. it in and it auto-completes them and, oh, that looks fine. Little wonder, did they know. Yeah, I wonder if it's automated or done with someone who just had no knowledge and thought it really didn't matter if they freestyled a bit with it or if yeah. there were space restrictions and they slimmed it down for that reason. Wolves would be fine, I think. True. But that. But if you didn't know that. Yeah, absolutely. Dave, if this was literally true and that was the fixture, could it be the ultimate re- awakening of the sleeping giants? <laughs> I can't think of a more disparate set of circumstances than the winners of the first five of the first seven FA Cup finals suddenly popping up in They're the back. Uh, in the fourth round. They're back. It's like that film that we, we referenced a, uh, a little while ago, that, that film where like some robots from the future turn up in a football match. It would be like the opposite of that. Some sort of space-time continuum Laps and the, the wanderers suddenly find themselves at the Hawthorns in 2024. That would get televised, wouldn't it, Charlie? Oh, you know, although you never know, they'd probably just pick whoever United were playing. Yeah, exactly. Rubbish. Um, uh, they, they were lo- they're local to us. They were um, founded as Forest Football Club in 1859 in Leytonstone. Oh, there we go. My local team. Yeah. Dissolved circa 1887. Not even Maidstone can compete with that. Right. Let's stick with West Brom versus Wolves. Louis Mitchell writes in. And he says, I'm convinced I found the football version of the Yanni Laurel debate that popped up a few years ago. Um, let me, let's refresh our memory of this. This is some sort of audio illusion. Some people hear Laurel. Some people hear Yanni. This is how it, that panned out. Like an audio version of the dress. Yes, precisely. Laurel. 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 What do you guys hear? Laurel. I, I hear Yorl. I, I hear Laurel. Okay. Yorl isn't one of the options, so <laughs> deal with that. It's something you hear and your brain processes it in a slightly different way. This is this is astonishing. Right, bit of background here. Wolves and West Brom both play the liquidator before the game. Mm. So when they played each other, they did they happily played it for the both sets of fans to enjoy. And there's a there's a part of the of the tune where you can you can shout out something pertaining to either your team or your opponent. Exactly. And um they both had their individual versions of that bit. And they both sang it at the same time. And you literally cannot pick out uh, which one it is. I'm fascinated to know which one you think you hear. So the options are, is it fuck off West Brom, we're wolves? Or is it fuck off Wanderers, West Brom? First time was definitely a fuck off West Brom, we're wolves for me. Right. And then the second, they were sort of mangled in as one. I couldn't really make it out. I mean, less of an illusion, Dave, is more of just a lovely audio mix of, of those fans. I mean, you know, enhanced FA Cup ticket allocation, I guess, which always helps. But um, uh, it's astonishing. I don't know. <laughs> so I, the first time, I thought I heard fuck off West Brom, West Brom. Like they, they met, like, I, got, oh. I got half of one and half of the other. I didn't factor in that possibility whatsoever. <laughs> Can I hear it one more time, please? Oh, 
Right, I definitely, I definitely hear fuck off West Brom, we're wolves, and then fuck off Wanderers, West Brom. So, Charlie, I guess the explanation here could be that Wolves did it louder first time, then the West Brom fans, well, we need to up our game here, we're the home team, and then they responded, which is how you imagine a chant would kind of behave anyway. So that would explain it. That would make sense. There, and there are more of them, so it's in their power. If the, if the desire is there, they should be louder. <laughs> I just thought this was absolutely wonderful. Absolutely brilliant. Thank you, Louis Mitchell. Great stuff. No idea about this one or the circumstances in which it occurred. Uh, Ivan Ara writes in, Dave, he says, the commentator at Watford versus Southampton called the goal that made it 1-1 a real FA Cup goal. I don't know which commentary this was. I don't know which broadcaster it was. What is a real FA Cup goal? It's a sort of sentiment that gets chucked around. We've got a real FA Cup tie on our hands here. And we kind of know what that means. It's like a ding-dong battle. Um, a team might have sort of made it 2-1, so there's game on, essentially. But And Maidstone, you know, underdog sort of situation. Yeah. Yeah. And you hear the sentiment of, and oh, that's what the FA Cup is all about. And that gets applied to at least half a dozen specific things across a weekend in the FA Cup. But what is a real FA Cup goal? What would it be? Like a really scrappy one or a really good one? What is it? Well, it certainly wasn't the goal in question because Stuart Armstrong levelled for Southampton in the like 89th or 90th minutes, and maybe that's what they was referring to, yes, like late equaliser. But in terms of the actual goal, it was like it was like a shot from the edge of the box where he gave the keeper the eyes and sent everyone the wrong way. Tucked it in at the near post, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, a decent decent goal, but like n- nothing FA Cuppy about it particularly. I would potentially say that like the, the Maidstone goals were classic FA Cup goals, like small team hitting big team on the break in a situation where you you know you can barely believe that they've done it. It's an FA classic FA Cup goal for, for me. Uh, for, for me, I think it's like, obviously the FA Cup is steeped in tradition, so it feels like a, <laughs> then there has to be, obviously. Is it? <laughs> so there... So if you're breaking that down, what I would imagine if I heard a classic FA Cup goal would be a big cross to the back post and then quite a sort of muscular header, someone sort of stretching every sinew and directing it back to the back post sort of past a flailing goalkeeper because it's like a, it's a proper old school it, it feels linked to an upset because it's the kind of team a worse team can score against a better team because you're kind of just lumping one in to a big lad so there's no implication of quality to this goal it's it's just about the spectacle of it and how dramatic it is in, it, in its aesthetics and context kind of yeah because there is something quite dramatic isn't there about like a big header yeah. and there's almost time enough for it you know going off the player's head and then sort of dropping past the goalkeeper I don't know that feels quite traditional and upset vibes for me now I'm thinking about it Dave the goal I've got in my head if you, if, you, if you had a gun to my head and asked me to say what an FA Cup goal would look like I think you'd have to have an element of earthiness about it and it would have to have some drama to it as well so I would think a sort of a minor goal scramble nothing major like bit of pinball nothing too absurd and then it it running free to the left or right about eight to ten yards out and someone running onto it and slamming it home and then wheeling away in that direction so it's kind of like a loose ball suddenly slammed home equaliser sending it to replay or extra time or something like that 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 to me is that would be an FA Cup goal and then, and it would be an underdog scoring it no question I feel you yeah. might be dead in this scenario with the gun nailed to your head <laughs> but it's a long answer isn't it I've delayed it <laughs> <laughs> yeah good filibustering um <laughs> What, but what I think that does tap into is that there's something, both in my example and that one you've given, there's something about like the force of character that you, just by sheer will, you've kind of managed to score a goal. Like that's about, uh, you know, there's a scramble, you're pushing it and then someone's just come in and battered it as hard as they can. That to me feels quite FA Cuppy that it shouldn't happen, but 
thanks to your personality and how much you want it, you somehow managed to score a goal. Assist colon narrative. Exactly. That it's not it's not a well worked move. No. To- no way. Like, that's the least step a Cup yeah, goal. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Glad we agree on that. But that's why I think the, the Maidstone goals are perfect because they're, they're, they're not well worked in terms of like intricate passing. They're like quick break, one or two passes, and then all of a sudden someone's in and the commentator yeah. has, that, has that moment where they're like, oh, my, they could score here. Like, mm. it, it's an amazing, like, oh, they, and they've got a chance and, and they've done it. And yeah. then it's, you can scarcely believe what's happening because it's kind of come out of nowhere. I agree with the timing on that first goal. Yeah. You know, if, if we're going to treat Ipswich Maidstone as a, as a classic FA Cup tie, I fear that Lamar Reynolds is very much the Ricky George to uh, Sam Corn's Ronnie Radford here. He might slightly get forgotten, but it was such a lovely finish, so I hope it doesn't. Anyway, moving on. I promised you more commentary intonation, and here it comes. This came from Housemaster. Now, season listeners to the Clichés pod will, of course, remember this infamous Serie A attempt at goal intonation. Federico Kies gets the shot away. Success once more. Gets the shot away. A legendary moment for the Clichés pod. Uh, one I know is dear to Charlie's heart. Now, we had sort of people imitating it across the world. We had ice hockey commentators um, doing it very deliberately on sort of college ice hockey commentary. This one, though, I've got no idea about. This comes from the um, X Games Aspen 2024. It's the Monster Energy Men's Snowboard Superpipe, which is a great set of words to say. <laughs> and I have no idea if this guy listens to the Clichés pod or not, but I'm going to enjoy it nonetheless. A look at our comp format. We've got eight snowboarders, three runs each. The best single run counts. What that means, Naimu can throw that run away, not think about it. He's got two more chances <laughs> at that super pipe. Could it be? It's very close. Throw that run away. Throw that Slightly run away. different context. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just so good that someone's listened to that. And- Hope so. Hope it's spreading all the way to the X Games. Right. Over to the cricket. England's heroic effort against India. That's my. That's the limit of my knowledge of what happened here. I was, I was very busy and I didn't pay much attention to it, Dave. But headline on Crick Info, Seven Star Hartley spins England to sensational win. How do you feel about Seven Star? Ooh, Seven Star. That's hotels, isn't it? You, you do get yeah, yeah, I was going to say, in the world of, of hotels and hospitality, we've gone beyond five stars, yeah. haven't we? So, <laughs> yeah, those luxury Dubai kind of places you get seven star hotels yeah 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 your burj al arabs your emirates palace your pentaminium your townhouse galleria in milan pangu seven star hotel in beijing which i think over eggs the name if you put seven star in the name of the hotel i think you've ever done it yeah it's a bit like when it. calling itself iconic uh, yeah. which an- annoys me but presumably hartley did hartley get seven wickets is, is yeah it? yeah right okay <laughs> they didn't just think he was really good I- i've long thought it would be quite funny if a place did you like two-star performance or something and a 2-0 win <laughs> just complete, just throwing that out there given we only ever hear about five-star performance or one-star performance in a 4-1 defeat or something or alternatively like you get beat 4-1 you say well that was a two-star performance like just like <laughs> just, play it as literally as you can yeah, not next to how many goals they scored because otherwise we're just treating readers we're treating readers like idiots like you don't have to you don't have to be that literally yeah. you have to tie the number to the thing if you think it was shit just call it two-star or whatever I don't know do you ever get four-star performance is it only five-star would you ever say four-star performance about I think I have four seen no four star, which which just doesn't it doesn't. I mean, maybe it could work. I don't know. Four star hotels are very competitive. Yeah, <laughs> great. Or in the age of like you know, out of ten ratings on Booking dot coms and things. Yeah, you know, and an eight. Did yeah. you just pluralize Booking dot com? <laughs> 
Bookings.com. Bookings.com. Your booking.coms of this world. My my favourite hotel booking website, I should say. Um, Right. Next up. Always enjoy football being uh, evoked, confidently or otherwise, in other sports. This came from Alexander Ward. This is Mathieu Pavon making history by becoming the first French golfer to win on the PGA Tour in the modern era with victory at the Farmers Insurance Open in San Diego. He's just made par at the 16th to stay five shots ahead. It's like Mbappé kicking a goal. <laughs> Not worth the effort, mate, at all. <laughs> of course, there is amazing. I haven't seen the shot in question, Dave. I don't know how makeable a putt it was. It looked, you know, from his demeanour afterwards, it looked like it was a routine one. You know, you know, maybe a couple of feet at most. Yeah, there wasn't, there wasn't, you know, sort of uproarious cheers like Tiger no. Woods nailing a twenty-footer or something. Just quietly going about his business, staying, staying five shots ahead. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what kind of goal would that be for him? Is that, I was going to say, is that his point that it's like it's a really easy finish for him? And I mean, I'm a, we're obviously overthinking this. He doesn't have that intimate knowledge of Mbappe's <laughs> types of goals. I'm guessing maybe he does. It can only but have like, been but, like a routine effort. Yeah, that's yeah. That suggests it's like uh, yeah. If you you know you square one from Mbappe, he's just going to stick it away. Penalty? Yeah. yeah, maybe, maybe that level of ex genus to that well, sort of part. He, it does has missed some notable penalties in his time. Indeed. Mbappe. Yeah. There's no way that commentator knows that, that's for sure. (laughs) Right, that brings us to the end of the first half of the adjudication panel. We'll be back very shortly. Welcome back to the adjudication panel. Um, Last week saw um, Wolves outcast Johnny finally complete his exit from Molyneux. Did the usual thing, Charlie, of releasing a little statement on Instagram about how much he's enjoyed his time at the club. Thanks for fans for all their support. And he says, once a wolf, always a wolf. How do you feel about the singularization of Wolves' nickname? I guess it's probably right at the top of viable candidates for this. I mean, you can have an individual wolf and maybe they do stylize themselves as individual wolves at Wolves. Yeah, that does feel weird. I mean, I'd, I'd have to defer to actual wolves it doesn't it doesn't sound right and it almost feels as if that's him like you know how do you show that you're not a real wolves player you know without actually coming out and saying that Mm. that that almost feels like a bit of a dig but maybe that's wrong maybe they do talk about themselves in that way i remember uh, previously on this pod a a while back we were we were talking about this about which clubs you could do this to and we were all we were yeah we were all laughing at how absurd calling somebody a wolf would be we were laughing at uh, sort of mocking it as if nobody would ever say it but now we've actually seen it it's actually happened in the wild okay fine but sticking with the theme of animals in football um there was a mildly entertaining uh twitter strand in the last couple of weeks of people uh, nominating their animals 11 and sort of trying to logically slot animals into their right positions charlie i thought it was beneath us personally so i didn't bother with it and i i, I it rem- is beneath I, and us. it is beneath us yeah. i remain convinced of it but um maybe it's just that we we don't have that level of intellect for it charlie because here is ali mccoy and andy townsend appraising someone's selection of the animal 11 let's start with their impressions of the back five it's, it's gold are we going to need to come up with a McCoyce and Townsend corner at this rate? We do not have a problem with a goalkeeper. First of all, you've got to say it's a 4-4-2. Yes, 4-4-2, and we've got octopus in goal, apparently. Makes sense. Makes sense, doesn't, doesn't it? it? 
Should have a decent pair of hands on yeah, it. Yeah, he's got. He, he's one. He, he's in a fortunate position. He can come for crosses, yeah. miss it, and flick it round and save it. And pick the back his nose post. at the same time. Yes. Yeah. So okay. we're not. We're happy with that. Yep. Back four of cheetah, gorilla, hippo, and gazelle. Yep. Just my only concern is the hippo on the half turn. Just a little <laughs> bit. Just a little concerned about him if he gets caught square on. There's, there's no. I don't. No disrespect to the hippos or the gorillas. But there's not a lot of brain in there. It's no, all brawn. It is. It's a yeah. You yes, know who, who's your Bobby Moore in there? Correct. You, you, I'm a wee bit worried. <laughs> now the thing about this um, this concept, Charlie, is that anyone who sort of discusses it is going to treat it seriously, but also with a hint of irony. And I think they're doing that too. But football ease just creeps in. I just love it. It's just so good. Like an octopus coming for a cross. It's like, it's just, <laughs> they're, they're dealing with it on their own terms and it's fantastic. Yeah, an octopus, is, you know, they, they, that's a goalkeeper you might say is uh, he's been everywhere. Dave, I really enjoyed I mean, it's a minor thing, but McCoy's reading out the back four in exactly the, the cadence that you would read out an actual <laughs> back four. Yeah. It's just, some people are just programmed to deal with it in a football way and I, I love it. It's good yeah. yep speed on the flanks Hippo, <laughs> hippo's quicker than you think though i think andy to be fair well let's run through the rest of their analysis of this team let's move into midfield now midfield eagle ox fox and falcon well the fox in the middle of the park yeah get that one because he's sneaky he's cunning and he's kind of ah, cute so, you know the fox up front yeah it could have been as it in the 10 maybe oh, and the the ox you can't have an ox in the middle well, of the, the ox up and downer he's just he's one of them up and downers that all good teams seem to have and all and need Townsend just going now full serious as well. He could be talking about an actual footballer at the end there, Charlie. I really like up and downer as well. I've not heard that before, I don't mm. think. It's one of them that all teams need. Up and down, but it, very much at his own pace, the Ox. Mm. It's mm. not, not going to get you anywhere quickly, is it? They dedicated a whole mini section here to simply the uh, the wide areas, Charlie. Here we go. Well, he's gone wide areas with the eagle and the falcon, yes. right? Yeah. But... Doesn't say what kind of falcon. If it's a peregrine falcon, right? He's on the team all day, right? For for what? What's he in for? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you right now. The fastest animal on the planet makes sense. It comes down on its prey at a, a ridiculous speed, well over 194 miles an hour. So, it, <laughs> so he'll get, he will definitely be used. He's to in any team. He'll be in any team. By the way, maybe it's up to bring on on the counter. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, like, just their, their sort of, I don't know, sort of UEFA B licence coaching logic kicks in as well. It's just, it's so good. And it, it completely overrides the crap novelty of the 11, Charlie. I love it. Yeah, they've made it work. Fair play to them. These are the only people, Dave, I want to listen, talk about this. Yeah, fast becoming a, a real double act. Because it has the feeling of, you know, someone's off, so they've just got Andy Townsend in to do a, yeah. to do a yeah. few shows with McCoy's. But, um, hope, you know, I think they're onto something. It's, it's magical. I love them both. But um, let's round it off with the front line. What about the front two? The tiger and the giraffe. The giraffe at the back stick. He's always got to peel back stick. <laughs> he's got to go back post and he should be nodding that down. And if the tiger can be bothered, because they're a bit like that, aren't they? They have those days, them tigers, when they can't really be, they're not at it. But <laughs> if he can be bothered and he's up for it, then that's not a bad sign. Ah. <sighs> Not at, at it. it. Not at it. <laughs> it's so true, though. Yeah, how many times you've been to a zoo and the tiger's not at it? Just not at it. It's not at it today. Not playing the occasion at all. <laughs> oh, God, wonderful. Um, yeah, as Dave says, a real potential. We might have to turn this into a new corner. Uh, but their other rival for a new corner is one Jonathan Pierce. This came from Pete Rutzler, who was watching uh, 
Piercy doing his Sunday night Liga side hustle as he spots a young fan with a can I have your shirt sign. PSG, I feel, are trying to put their foot down because of the impending Champions League knockout game. A little one's birthday there. He wants a gift from one of the players on the football field. I think he'll be disappointed. That's life for you. Piercy delivering the hard truths on a Sunday night. <laughs> That's exactly how you would expect him to deal with it. But he's earned the right, Charlie, after all these years to be that philosophical. He's, on, he's in that mm. kind of Steve Bruce management phase where, you know, nothing surprising. Yes. He's seen it yeah. all. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, uh, yeah that's a harsh lesson. I think he part, like it starts with him just wanting to sort of show that he read, that he could translate the It's My Birthday in French and then sort of doesn't really know where to go with it. Next up, this might be one of the worst dubbings I've ever seen. The Cowley brothers, or to give them their actual names, Danny and Nicky Cowley, have recently been appointed by Colchester, Dave. And uh, the BBC website... Um, kicks off that article with they have been dubbed the Anton Deck of football why have they been dubbed the Anton Deck of football on what basis does that work they're brothers they're brothers and what is it one taller than the other that's it I don't know uh, I mean I suppose great the fact, double act the fact that they are a double act yeah and, and you know they, they stand out for the fact that they are but like Danny Cowley is still the, the main man isn't he isn't Nicky's like the number two I know they've kind of been appointed together at times but like Danny's the one that definitely the more senior of the of the partners it's quite telling that if I saw if I saw them on the tube only Danny would be the one that would make me think ah, who's that guy the other one definitely not so that's it that seals it for me um, but that's not the case with Ant and Deck but the thing is are Ant and Deck a 50-50 thing Charlie I feel like Deck has always been the one who kind of directs proceedings yeah no I, well I was thinking that while Dave was talking just there about the Cowleys but when it comes to Ant and Deck I don't think there is an obvious senior partner I mean contractually probably not does Ant by virtue of being Ant just being first going first yeah we should look back through the footage of Britain's Got and Talent he's always who, on the left does the big he? announcement Ant's on the yeah, left there is that yeah, yeah Dex always on the right yeah only one allowed in the technical area at the time I say I feel that Deck is I don't know I prefer Deck I guess is what I'm saying but I feel oh, like fair I'm, enough yeah. <laughs> comes down to personal taste you've got to pick one or the other at the end I of the day I think he's got a quiet authority about him in a way that Ant doesn't yeah, right this uh, this particular article on the BBC website yeah, continues in, in a curious manner the second paragraph Charlie says and Colchester United fans certainly hope that brothers and management duo Danny and Nicky Cowley can produce a regular Saturday night takeaway of points between now and the end of the League Two season. Unnecessary pun, I think. Not worthy of the BBC website, personally. Um, maybe my standards are too high. Then, here's Danny Cowley describing Ant and Deck in the most football terms possible. I love Ant and Deck. I think they are two of the best presenters this country has ever produced. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they, yeah, they have made made good on their potential, haven't they? I mean, they were sort of prodigious as, as youngsters and, yeah, they've managed to deliver. That is a fair play. point. It is a conveyor belt of talent from Biker Grove to primetime Saturday Night TV. Fair play. Yeah, they've, they've lived up to their early promise. Right. Um, let's return to West Brom Wolves, in fact. This came from Leo Watkins. He says, uh, in this game, Lee Dixon exclaimed, tell you what, that's not far away that, about a specific shot. So is the most I'll tell you what thing in football when a player cuts inside and curls it just beyond the far post? <laughs> Charlie, this is expertly observed. This is such a great question. Yeah, I'll tell you what, he's a lucky boy. Oh, y- yeah. You might well also hear as well. Lucky or, boy. It's always lucky boy, lucky isn't it? Lucky boy, but... Or, Tell you what, he's yes. seen him given because it, it's a kind of uh, it's it's like letting you in on something that didn't quite seem that way at first, but on second viewing, hold on, hold on a second. I tell you what, is it is it fairly related, Dave? To by the way, do we think it's almost like you know 
I, I think I have this in, inside knowledge that I want to confirm with everyone. I think it's it is more it's more corrective than than by the way. Mm-hmm. I think by the way is something you'd probably go with first time. Whereas I tell you what, as you say, it's like I, I was. There was a good example in the Maystone Ipswich Maystone game. Actually, I don't think they used the words "tell you what," but it was a very much sort of "tell you what" vibe. There was a shot from Ipswich, and the keeper, the aforementioned keeper who was everywhere, got a hand to it, and it kind of looked at first viewing so it had gone through him, and he'd kind of been a bit lucky that it hadn't gone in. But then the replay confirmed that he actually tipped it round the post, and Guy Mowbray was he, he was like, actually, that's. Tell you what, that's not a bad save, or words to that effect. Interestingly, Martin Keown refused to uh, to sort of be corrected by the replay. Was steadfastly saying, "Well, actually, no, I think he's let, still let it through him." I, I, don't, I, I don't know whether to respect or not respect Co Comtes, who just simply won't be corrected by a replay. Um, but the. Uh the, the goal that um, uh, Newport scored against Manchester United was so heavily deflected and then it sort of gradually and grudgingly accepted it had been <laughs> deflected and it took a, a good two minutes to just say, okay, fine, it was, but still a good strike. <laughs> yeah. Still a good strike. Uh, right, okay. Next up, Rory MacDonald has been reading Michael Carrick's autobiography and uh, there's a section where he's talking about scoring his penalty in the 2008 Champions League final shootout against Chelsea. Uh, this is, this is uh, Carrick walking back from that penalty. Looking towards United's fans, I clenched both fists and screamed, releasing all that tension that had built up and up. As I jogged back to the lads on the halfway, I also clenched a fist towards Lisa, Mam and Dad in the stand as a gesture to say, it's okay, don't worry. I knew how they must have been feeling, more nervous than me and probably fearing the worst. As I reached the lads on the halfway line, I took a deep breath. As I exhaled, a realisation hit me of what had just happened. That passage of play, the most significant of my life, was over. Passage of play? Ooh. Ooh. It's a pivotal <laughs> moment. He's ruined it. Here's a penalty of passage of play, Charlie, in a shootout. I've never heard it described as such. Not only, Dave, do I feel like it jars linguistically, I reckon IFAB would be on our side here. A penalty shootout is not part of the game itself. It's simply a means of deciding who progresses in a competition. Opta wouldn't be giving you shots on target, would you, for, for a penalty shootout? Absolutely so, not. Passage of play. Seems a shame not to call it one, but Rory McDonald simply asks, surely we're not having that, agreed. But also, what are the parameters for a passage of play? Does it count, so Charlie, does it count for anything within the regulation time then? Yeah, I think so, but I'm trying to think when you hear passage of play, is that, because you talk about different phases, don't you? Mm-hmm. you would you hear that, that's a great passage of play all round when you're talking about a, a move that's maybe gone on I think it's longer, more of a like, neutral observation like a commentator might just say or a co-commentator might chime in and say you know just in that passage of play just there and now it's just a neutral thing right. it's, just, it's just a thing that happened in the game yeah. uh, but surely some passes have to have happened in a passage of play Dave I think it's is it as simple as literally like anything that happens between ball being between like a restart and the next time the ball goes out of play or the whistle is blown or is that too much is that too vague I, I, I think that's a fine way of bookending yeah I feel like a whistle should stop one passage at play and begin another or at least allow another one to begin that seems fair um, there's, there's no time limit on a passage of play is there Charlie that's a, that's an important question could a passage of no. play be as long as you want between those parameters of a you know a start and a restart I think so Opta talk they, talk, they say sequences are defined as passages of play which belong to one team and ended by defensive action stoppages in play or a shot so that's but, so I guess that's that's the sequence so possession so if one team gets the ball back that's their passage of play starts yeah. 
But uh, the ball can definitely change hands in a passage of play, Charlie, right? No question. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. If I, if I think about what... Because you might say, like, he's been brilliant in that passage of play. He's got the ball. He's played a great pass. He hasn't, got, he hasn't admired it. He's gone. He's won the ball back after they've given it away. That could all happen in one passage. And you could, you could talk about a passage of play, Dave, in the sense that neither team can keep hold of the ball here. They're giving it away all over the place. So the ball's changing hands a lot and that's still a passage of play for me. So I think it is mo- there is sort of more than one meaning to it. and Because you also hear, you hear coaches and players talk about working on patterns of play in training mm. and stuff, don't mm. you? Which you want to use your patterns of play in a passage of play, I suppose. <laughs> no question. Okay, next up, some AFCON woe for Sky Sports Football's Twitter output. Full time, they tweeted, Charlie. Mohamed Bayo wins it for Guinea with the very last kick of the game. Duncan Cobbett says, can you say won it with the last kick of the game if it's a header or any other body part other than the foot slash lower leg? Methinks not. How literal should we go with this? I think it's okay. Yeah, you sort of know what it means. And and what's the alternative with the last action of the game? Last touch of the game. The last. Yeah. You would only ever say last act. You wouldn't say last touch. You would say first touch. Like if somebody scores with their first touch. Yeah, but you wouldn't with ever their say first touch. Yeah. but not the first touch of the game. You wouldn't say that. <laughs> scored with the first touch of the game. No one's ever scored with the first touch of the game. Have they? Have they? Direct from centre. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and you would only ever say the last act of for a really innocuous thing at the end of a first half, Charlie. Or maybe the end of the 90 minutes going into extra time. So it's never a thing. It's, it's not a spectacular thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that'll be the last act of a game that hasn't really caught fire. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely stuff. Very good. <laughs> um, I'm all right with this, Dave, I think. I think the last kick of the game is 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 a symbolic thing. It's like saying like when uh, someone scores a header and said, it was the smallest man on the pitch who's got it. doesn't have to literally be the smallest man on the pitch. You don't have to fact check it. Like, it's okay if you just, if you claim it to be. I think you'll you'll get scenarios where they'll say won it with the last kick of the game, but it might actually not be the last kick of the game. Like, they actually might have been like a five second, you know, they might have been, they might have actually restarted and then the ref's blown up two seconds after they've restarted and stuff. I would like, allow it as well. You still allow it? Yeah. Yeah, I think I would. I think I would. I don't think the whistle has to blow straight after that. Because it's the last meaningful. Meaningful, isn't exactly. It? But you shouldn't right. have to add that word in. <laughs> we all know what it means. Right, FPL Tractor writes in and says, uh, Portsmouth women scored in the 29th minute against Ipswich, who then equalised in the 37th. The cup game then went to extra time when this happened. 94 minutes... Portsmouth retake the lead. My question is, I thought there was some sort of time limit on retaking the lead that's shorter than 57 minutes in the same half, perhaps. This is a really interesting case study, Charlie. If you score in the 29th, the other team equalised in the 37th, and you score again in the, in the fourth minute of extra time, does that count as retaking the lead? I think it's too it's too too much as too much water has gone under the bridge there. Yeah, I do think the extra time bit complicates things because that that does feel. What if it was the 89th minute then? Would you still say it? I wouldn't. But I don't think I've never thought about it having a time limit necessarily because it is still. It becomes irrelevant. The, the more the deeper you get into the game, the more it, it becomes more like it could be the winner or something like that. Retaking the lead just it needs to be closer to the stuff that happened earlier. It's it's an odd. It would be an odd way to lead with it. Yeah, if you've scored a last minute winner that yeah. they've retaken the lead or restored right, their one goal 70th cushion. Then seventieth minute, deep into the second half, but not deep enough to make it last gasp. What are you saying then? Retaking? I wouldn't use it, but I think I think it would sort of be okay. It's a sliding scale, though, isn't it? Because it can be that can be a nat- like if you're watching the game as a fan, say you're you can still be annoyed if you've gone ahead and equalised against a team you really should be ahead against. That can still be a feeling like finally we've got the lead back. Like 
how how have we not had a lead? At last, we've got back what should have been ours. I think is kind of okay. I, there's there's definite gradient going on here, Dave, of acceptability. I'm I'm going to cap it at like 40 minutes. I don't care if it's in the same half. Not fussed about that. But I, 40 minutes afterwards, that's it. To use Ipswich and Maidstone yet again in this mm. episode. Ipswich equalised on 56 minutes, and Maidstone scored their second goal on 66 minutes, which I think is a perfect window for retaking the lead. 10 minutes, second half, they're back in front. But I I agree. I think the extra time thing is weird. Okay. Okay, fair enough. No problem. Maybe this one will be a bit more clear cut. Adam Reek writes in, Charlie, and says, A fullback can keep a winger quiet. A centre-back can keep a striker quiet. But why can't a midfielder keep an opposition midfielder quiet? They definitely can. Like, if it's a, if yeah. it's even an implied man-marking job, or even yeah. sort of yeah, designated yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of... Yeah, you would. Yeah. You'd say, like, someone kept De Bruyne quiet yeah. if, they, if they just sat on them all game. For sure. Does it have to be a particularly kind of attacking slash playmaker sort, Dave, to be kept quiet? Or can it be... Could Roy Keane have been kept quiet by Patrick Vieira to pick a unhelpfully high-profile example? Seem quiet. Yeah. But, yeah, he, but I don't think he would have sort of man-marked him, though, would they? He would have no. just sort of... They would have been in the same area of the pitch and maybe he would have won his battles. He might mm. have won, won, won the duels, I suppose. And the, and the other one couldn't exert their influence on yeah, the game I don't, and therefore I, kept I don't quiet. Think I don't think in that example that you say he kept quiet, you'd say he got the better of yeah. or he it's, overpowered yeah, okay. or yeah. something like that. Because there's nothing to quell as such. It's just they're going together and one of them's going to come out on top. Yeah, okay. But yeah, I, I think it's perfectly viable. Adam Reek, no problem there. Finally, on the adjudication panel this time, Richard Jack writes in. He says, which football stadium sounds like which football stadium sounds most like a person? I thought it might be Rodney Parade, but Dean Court is better. <laughs> Before we can even address this, the replies to this were sensational. Adam Roper says Stanford Bridge could be a character in Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Ashton Gate, says Richard Jack again, signed from MLS Real Frat Boy. Ashton Gate. <laughs> Gay Meadows, says Chris Eden, used to present the weather on regional news. That is so good. <laughs> Here's the weather with Gay Meadow, GMTV. Victoria Park, says Richard Jack again, a quietly capable solicitor. Yeah. And AfricaStamps.co.uk, professional philatelist, says not a stadium name, but Everton has the Gladys Street end. Gladys Street was a junior school cleaner for over 40 years. All the kids knew her as Auntie Gladys. All good. All good. Any advances on some of these? There weren't many that jumped out that haven't been suggested already. The only one I could, I was looking at at a stretch was, I could see Sinsil Bank being like uh, some sort of Oxford Don from like the 20s or something. Like a weird name. Like there were people called Sinsil back then. That's like the name that's died out. Like one of the early England internationals in the 80s. Or maybe something 1870s. like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm scrolling down the list of English football stadiums uh, by capacity. Uh, I've got down to number 17, which is now called the Coventry Building Society Arena, but once, of course, called, I think, Britain's Got Talent contestant Rico Arena. <laughs> <laughs> that could work. Bramall Lane. Bramall Lane. Boxer. Lane Lane yeah. is a decent... Lane's obviously a perfectly plausible yeah. surname. Bramall is a bit... What about Meadow Lane? Someone could be called Meadow. Bramall Lane, I can imagine, as like an up-and-coming fullback. But, uh, but Bramble Lane could be a double-barrelled. Oh, yeah. Well, that, yeah, that's, that's cheating, that's, though, isn't it? Yeah. Come on, that's not in the spirit of this. <laughs> um, what about world's strongest man contestant um, dumped out in the early rounds, Turf Moor? Good. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of parks here, which I'm, I'm not inclined to go for. And um, finally, love this little quick-fire brace from Chris Eden again. Prenton Park was on Big Brother in 2007. <laughs> yes, that's good. <laughs> 
and Roots Hall is a successful jazz saxophonist. <laughs> love it. Absolutely love it. What a worthwhile exercise that was. Didn't run out of steam at all, actually, which I'm pleased by. Don't want these things to run out of steam. There's more to come. Don't think it will turn into a regular segment. I hope people will hate it. Thanks to you, Charlie. I could share great adjudication paneling. Thank you. A steady hand as well, Dave. Cheers to you. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back on Thursday. See ya. <laughs> <laughs>